taking our Bibles in this morning and turning to Daniel, Daniel in the chapter 9. And don't let your finger get too far away from Genesis in the chapter 18. We will be coming back to it in the course of this message, but we're going to consider Daniel in the chapter 9 uh, primarily this morning. Daniel in the chapter 9, beginning our reading then in the verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years were off the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish seventy years in the desolations of Jer- Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love Him and to them that keep His commandments, we have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces as at this day to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off through all the countries whether thou hast driven them because of their trespass that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of faith to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgivenesses Though we have rebelled against him, neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, a servant of God, because we have sinned against him. And he hath confirmed his words which he spake against us and against our judges that judged us by bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us. Yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore the Lord watched, hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth, for we obeyed not his voice. And now, O Lord our God, that has brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and has gotten thee renowned, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city, Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications, and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ear and hear, open thine eyes, and behold our desolations in the city which is called by thy name, 
For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousnesses, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake. O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Amen. Ending our reading there at the verse 19. We're continuing then in our series, Teach Us to Pray, and indeed in our studies in what we have termed the Alpha of Prayers as found in Genesis and the chapter 18. In previous studies, we noted the purpose for prayer, how that God delivered even that word of judgment unto Abraham that was about to befall in the cities of the plain, namely the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's because of this then that Abraham drew near unto the Lord. He stood not afar off, but came right into his presence and knew what it was to petition him on behalf of those who dwelt within those cities. Yes, Lot, his kin, or his brother and the Lord, and indeed his family member, was one who was near and dear to him. And yes, he was heavy upon his heart. But nevertheless, he was not the primary focus of his prayer, as we notice, for he petitioned the Lord for all those who dwelt within those cities. Then last week, we noted the reasoning that is seen in Abraham's prayer. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Coming to the Lord upon the right premise, the right foundation, framing the request and the petition that he brought in the right way, and seeking even in a way to do so in a way which communicated reverence, submission, come then to consider the third of our considerations in this prayer. And we want to note today the attitude of prayer, the attitude of prayer. And we come to this chapter in Daniel. Why? Because it communicates to us the same truth that is found in Abraham's prayer, but does so in a more magnified, more amplified way. That's something that we'll seek to show even throughout the course of the message. Coming then to Daniel in the chapter 9, we come to a chapter which begins the part of this book which contains information concerning prophetical matters. The student of Bible prophecy, particularly, of course, with that keen emphasis on end times, will be more than familiar with this passage in the chapters that follow. For in the second part of chapter 9, and as we continue then in the book of Daniel, we gain an insight into the program of God for the ages, and indeed what is commonly referred to as Daniel's 70th week. But before getting to all of that, the Holy Spirit records this prayer offered by Daniel unto the Lord. It is another great example of intercessory prayer, standing and coming before the Lord on behalf of of others, and remains to us an example, a model of how such prayer should be engaged in. We turn to it then for consideration this morning to note some things which are found here in a more visible way than in Genesis in the chapter 18, but also, I believe, in a more practical way, allowing us then better to understand how we can implement these things, how we indeed can follow this pattern. The first point to note about Daniel's prayer as we compare that prayer to Abraham's was, of course, that this was motivated by the Word also. 
Read again verse 2 of the chapter. It tells us in the first reign, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books. The number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet. And so just as Abraham had received word from the Lord of all that was about to unfold in the cities of the plain, so too Daniel comes before the Lord having received that which had been recorded as being the word of the Lord in the days of Jeremiah. God's word was revealing to both Abraham, to both Daniel here in this chapter, as we enter in this morning, that which was about to occur. Another point of similarity is, of course, the unselfish nature of this prayer. Daniel, we believe, is approximately 80 years of age. And nowhere is there an undue stress upon the matters that primarily concern him. See, in verse 5, how he says, we... In verse 6, he says, neither have we. In verse 7, he refers to the men of Judah. In verse 7 also, he refers to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and unto all Israel. Come down to verse 16 of the chapter, and we see once more that he says, for the iniquities of our fathers Jerusalem and thy people. He's referring to others. It's coming before God with that desire even to commune with God on the behalf of others. That reminds us, of course, what should be central in intercessory prayer as we come to the Lord, not our own desires, but the benefit and for the welfare and for the good of others must always be at the very forefront of that which we bring. As we come to consider this, the attitude of prayer, then we turn and to Daniel, we come to this chapter. We learn in Daniel all that I believe God would have us to know as to how to pray, as to what should be seen in our hearts and in our lives as we pray, and indeed the things that we must apply and utilize if we are to be true intercessors as He would desire us to be. Attitude is defined for us as our state of mind concerning something, as well as the posture appropriate to or expressive of our emotions. That boils down simply to this, our motives. Our motives. It's unbelievable to think that we have messed up when it comes to prayer. But sadly, that is the reflection of so many of the prayers that are offered in our generation. As we evaluate our own prayer lives, and we can only ever evaluate our prayer lives, then we can see, I believe, very clearly the areas in which we have messed up. Personally, I pray selfishly. I pray for the things that I want. I pray for the answers that I need, the results that will have the greatest and the best impact upon me. Corporately, I pray in a way that best suits the image of me that I'm seeking to portray to others. I pray to inform others of what I know and how much I know 
I pray modeling the emotions and the sentiments that I know will pull in the heartstrings of others and hopefully then raise their estimation of me. And you might say, well, why are you saying all of this and why are you speaking so candidly? The ultimate reason is simply to remind you that I'm no five-star Christian. That I struggle with the battle of the old nature just as you do. That I seek and strive every day to create the best environment, the perfect environment for the new nature to be seen more and more. And I do all of this seeking to submit my will and my way to God as I should. But you see, as we come to reflect upon prayer and our attitude in prayer, I can only speak about myself. And surely you can only speak about yourself also. But I suggest that an honest assessment by all of us in regards to our motives, in regards to our attitude as we approach God in prayer, an honest evaluation of all that we petition God with, will identify the reality that you too at one time or another have personified one or all of those attitudes. And this morning, I'm not seeking to be condemning. I'm not judging. Because I'm preaching to myself. And in the study, I have wrestled and fought with myself and my own attitude, my own motivations when it comes to the matter of prayer. The need of the hour in this generation, the need of the hour in this town, the need of the hour in this church is surely above everything else. We need men and women to pray. To pray effectively, accomplishing a purpose. To pray efficiently using the limited time that is existent in all of our lives, our busy days, our busy services, but using that limited time to get through to God. And to pray effectually, praying in a way that sees the hand of God move. Not just standing up and not just offering up a prayer that is filled with the same old sentiments, expresses the same old desires, but never breaks through with God. The need of the hour is that you and I know how to pray. It begins, I believe, with the right motive, the right attitude as we come before God in prayer. The first thing that we identify in this chapter is humility. We spoke on the subject of humility, and that was not a standalone message, for that was laying the ground for all that we came to and would come to in this study. Humility is so necessary when it comes uh, to prayer. Humility whenever we come before God. Humility when we stand before others to come before God. And Daniel embodies and typifies to us humility in verse 3, for he says, I set my face unto the Lord to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. All of these things communicate to us the humility of heart, the humility of mind, 
this humility that characterizes motivations, his motives as he comes to the Lord. Why? Because he's willing to do that which is necessary to see the Lord answer his prayer and to truly know the blessing of the Lord upon all that he seeks. So he sets aside that which is necessary, he fasts. He removes anything of his own character that would be distracting. That's why he's there in sackcloth and ashes. And come into verse 4, he says, I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and the dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. Oh, Lord, you're such a great God. Oh, Lord, I'm coming before you, and I can in no way equate my worth to your worthiness. You're the one who gives the promise. You're the one who keeps the promise. You're the one who has shown us the correct and proper way even to live our lives. Come down to verse 7, and it tells us there, O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces. Oh yes, we battle through our lives. Oh yes, we come to the problems and the concerns, and we come to the questions that must be answered, and we come to the decisions that must be made, and very often we are tempted to do so on our own strength, applying our own reasoning, but here Daniel reminds us a confusion of faces is all that belongs to us. Even with all the advancements in technology, scientific discovery, academic ability, you and I equate nothing when it compares to God. Come into verse 8, he says, O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face. To our kings, to our princes, to our fathers. Humility is that which marks the prayer of Daniel. He recognizes, he identifies his place before an almighty God. He knows he's this small and God is this big. Not only humility, but note the honesty. We have sinned, verse 5. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. We have rebelled. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets. We're the ones at fault. Come down to verse 9. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in all his laws which he set before us, his servants the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. Down to verse 15. And now, O Lord our God, thou hast brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and has gotten thee renowned as at this day we have sinned 
we have done wickedly. Friend, whenever it comes to prayers, whenever it comes to true prayer, whenever it comes to getting through to God in prayer, we need to be honest about who we really are. We need to be honest about the generation in which we live. We need to be honest even about the shortcomings, even within our own assembly as we come before the Lord in prayer. We have sinned. In us dwelleth no good thing. We live in a generation where the people's hearts are drawn away by the things of time. And that is true even about you and I. And the very best amongst us. We know what it is to be distracted by things here on earth. Daniel is brutally honest. When it comes to this prayer, when it comes to interceding on the behalf of others, why? Because he's coming before the great God who knows all things, who sees us for exactly who we are, who knows that even this morning there are perhaps amongst us those who have battled with something before they ever came here. Who knows that yesterday, last night, there were those who battled with something before they ever arrived here. I know that today as we come before God in prayer, as we intercede on the behalf of others, as we have been exhorting you even time and time again to exhort God or to intercede on behalf of the people of this town and to pray that God will move in this town, that God will break through in the lives of the families of the Sunday school boys and girls, the boys and girls that we reach in our youth departments, those who come to mums and tots, those who are met in the streets on Saturday. We must be honest that there are so many shortcomings in our own lives, in our own fellowship. That we come to, yes, the God of great forgiveness, but we come with no worthy righteousness of our own. Humility, honesty, honor. God's honor. Daniel was concerned, I believe, at all times with the name of God and the testimony of God being preserved. Begins in verse 4 by saying, I prayed unto the Lord my God, made confession, and said, O Lord, the great and the dreadful God, but keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him. Come to verse 16. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city, Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant. His supplications cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ear and hear, open thine eyes and behold our desolations and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousnesses, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake, O my God. For this city and thy people are called by thy name. Daniel at all times was exhorting God to do that which was necessary to defend the honor of God. 
to defend the honor of his name, to lift high in a day day and an age where godlessness prevailed, when the enemy was overwhelming the people of God, when the enemy had overwhelmed the city of God, when the enemy had destroyed the very temple of God. Whenever all those were passing by and mocking and saying, where is your God now? Daniel was saying, on behalf of your honor, O God, do something. And surely we live in such a day. Yes, we profess the name of the Lord, but we must be honest and and admit to and own up to our own shortcomings. But we cast ourselves upon the mercy of the Lord, and surely what is needed the most in this wicked and godless generation in which we live is a demonstration, a real-life demonstration of the hand of God at work. When the hand of God moves in families, when He moves in areas, when He moves in churches, when He moves to the praise and to the glory of His name, where a standard is raised up for truth and for righteousness, where the name of God is not a swear word, not a curse word, but a name to be revered, a name to be honored, a name to be uplifted before all men. It's for His own sake that He should answer. We bemoan the days in which we live, but friend, we cannot escape the reality that just like Daniel here presented to God on behalf of the Israelite nation, that we are responsible for many of the messes we find ourselves in. That the feelings in our generation began with believers, began in the house of God, began in assemblies like this. We must ask the Lord for His mercy to be poured out upon us for His forgiveness to be known amongst us, for His grace to be evident, and for His salvation to be known. So we remove our humanity from all the requests that we bring. We embrace the beauty and the majesty of the Most High One. That is to be the attitude of our prayer. Does this correlate then to what was the reality of Abraham's prayer? In Genesis in the chapter 18, we see Abraham's humility begin as he came face to face with the Lord in the plains of Mamre because the Bible tells us in verse 2 that he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. It continues then in verse 27 when he comes before the Lord and he says, Behold, now I have taken on upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. In verse 30 he says, O let not the Lord be angry with me, and I will speak. And then in verse 32 he says, O let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet but this once. Abraham exemplified, typified, personified the very same humility that we saw in Daniel. Was honesty found in Abraham's prayer? Well, note there in verse 23, Will thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Verse 25, Not be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous from the wicked, and not be that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee. Then his honor, is God's honor at the forefront of Abraham's mind, well, note, In verse 25, the end of it there where he says, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? That be far from thee. 
if we are to know what it is to prevail in prayer. If you and I are to be effective in prayer, efficient in prayer, effectual in prayer, then we must come before the Lord in humility. We must speak not with words which better ourselves, but in the brutal honesty of who we are and of where we find ourselves. And we must desire at all times that the honor of God, the honor of his name, would be preserved and magnified in our midst. Both men came. They came on the grounds of faith. They turned to a God who they knew was abundantly able. You and I serve such a God today. And we don't have to know everything there is about God, and I'm thankful for that. Because I don't have enough brains or ability to give myself a headache too often. But I have enough opportunity to come before the Lord and to lay hold upon him who is greater than me. Father, we pray that thy blessing would be known in all of our lives. But we pray for success in prayer. Not that we might be glorified. For Lord, as we one day we'll find our place in the throng above. Surely we'll all hang our heads in shame when we meet those of generations gone past. When we think of the great heroes of the faith. When we think of those who knew and experienced God's blessing like we desire to. But Lord, this is our reality right now. We live in a day of small things. We live in a lukewarm generation. We live in a day when evilness and wickedness is right at the church door. Sometimes even in the very midst of the church. Forgive us, Lord. And help us in this generation to be a Philadelphian church. One which honors thee. One which prevails in thy name. And Lord, if it please thee, may we be those who testify of this town being turned upside down as the power of the gospel, the name of Christ, the honor of God is proclaimed from this place. Hear us as we pray. For those who depart us now, take them to their homes in safety. Grant us who remain even around thy table. Grant us, O Lord, that sweet time of remembrance of our Savior. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Near, still near, close to my heart, draw me, my Savior, so precious thy art. We'll stand to sing, and if you're not remaining for the observance of the Lord's table, then feel free to leave after the first hymn, please. God bless you as you go.